You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, you Добро пожаловать в Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Willkommen in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Hello, guys. This is our first episode of The Voice on the radio. We're excited. I'm excited. I've never been to a radio uh, booth before, but... I like it. Good to give our listeners confidence. Exactly. That you know what you're doing. Cool. Well, let's introduce ourselves <laughs> first. My name is Ron. I'm not going to say my last name because I like to be called Ron Burgundy. If anyone has ever seen Anchorman, they would know who that is. But it's a very nice movie. It is a beautiful film. And of course, we have Isabella. Yeah, I'm his trusty sidekick and fellow American. I'm Bella Isa. Uh, I don't have an alias, but... That's cool, because we already have one Ron Burgundy. So, welcome to the show. Really? Yeah. Well, first thing, we're all students here, so we basically, in the same level, we're all broke. Yeah, 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 that's that's very true, correct. And I think most people would say that Lubin is quite expensive. Yeah, I'm with you. Somewhat healthy. I actually complain about that. I like that Lubin is so healthy. I can't even find fast food. There's french fries everywhere. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's like I can like go a like uh, what? Like yeah. KFC, Taco <gasps> Bell. Oh, you know what I miss most about home? What? Arby's. Oh yeah. <gasps> but you know I have to go to like Antwerp to find Five Guys. Oh, there's a Five Guys there. Yeah. That's a game changer. But I mean, it's like seven euros or eight euros or even ten euros for, for a taste, burger. For the taste of home, though, <laughs> is the thing. Exactly. You're getting so much more than a burger. It costs so much for the taste of home, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but it's delicious. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's five okay. Guys. But what we like to do here is, like I said, this is our first episode. What we like to do is talk about what's coming up. We have this online and also print uh, magazine that we would like to publish. We already have some articles ready online, but we're still waiting to print. Uh, we're still well. We're still I have waiting for her. Prototype the, uh, in my hand, dear <laughs> listeners. And she has I can, the it's final hot off draft. The presses. Right. <laughs> hey, Ron. Yes. What's coming up at the Voice these days? What is coming up at the Voice these days? Can you tell me? I, I was asking you, man. <laughs> well, I can tell you. There's one that are uh, particularly interesting for a lot of people. Mm. There's uh, an opinion piece by someone mm. who wrote about Belgium and the post-colonial Tinder. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. If you know what that means, you have to read and wait for the uh, magazine to come out. But it basically talks about how some people, uh, how, how would I say this? How some people basically mm. uh, with black kids and pictures in orphanage or in any or- orphanages that you see anywhere. I've yeah. been to uh, an orphanage before in Dominican Republic. Right. And you got people uh, taking pictures with them. Oh, so kind of like the white girls in Africa. like Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yes, it was written by someone who was very um, passionate about things like that and okay. something to read. All right, and so. is this author choosing to stay confidential, I'm assuming? Yes. Interesting stuff. Exactly. I actually really like this as a topic of discussion. Yes. Isabel, what else ca- have you seen that's worth, in, uh, worth talking about? We got about? the climate march. I think that's fascinating because I'm a little afraid that Al Gore may have been onto something <laughs> back in the day. Um, so well, that's picking up. Well, for me, what's I- most interesting about it is yeah. like the students are actually taking action. Which is comforting. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other things that also that's really interesting uh, for a lot of people mm-hmm. is why does it always rain in Belgium? I don't know. But you I don't feel like know. This article's gonna tell me. 
I mean, right now, it's, what's today? It's Friday, isn't it's it? It's beautiful outside it's right now. It's beautiful outside. This is outside. a bad day to tape this segment. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but no, I know I live in Belgium because I saw the sky and was like, <gasps> like it actually like surprised me. So I feel like that's that's a good sign. I've been living here a minute. Exactly, right? <laughs> I was like very overjoyed. <laughs> the sky. It's amazing. It is. Um, but I think the best part about about the article is it's very technical in a lot of ways mm. and i think that's most interesting about it like i might learn something if i read it yes that's cool definitely dear listeners pick up a copy yeah. and learn something <laughs> right and of course there's a little bit of anecdotes about meeting flemish people oh yeah is there a difference i i'm honestly not the person to ask why not? I thought you know. Me. I thought you met a lot of people here. I'm a friendly gal, but I just don't think I have like enough data to work with. Like, it's, <laughs> really? like, and I think it's a cool thing about at least art. So we're in the Master of European Studies, but I've met like a pretty like it's a pretty even range of Europeans or international students. Like, it's not overwhelmingly Flemish. At least the student body I interact with. That's true. I, I think. Oof. I mean, I met a lot of Belgians. And I have some knowledge about who they are. The Belgians. The Bel- Do we call Belgians Flemish people? Well, only some of them. Yeah. <laughs> only half of them. There was, a, there was a scuffle about that back in the day. Exactly, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you know, I think we probably should describe what The Voice magazine is. I think that Briefly. is a great idea, Ron. What is The <laughs> oh, Voice magazine? I'm so sorry. It's our first episode. What am I going to do? No, know? that's cool. But what I'm going to say is there are five sections. We have Soon in Lubin, what's happening in Lubin. Cool. We have Arts and Culture. Nice. And that's obvious. We have International. And hmm. that means anything that you want to talk about, some, that's something about International. Cool. Could be recipes. Or Venezuelan politics. Or the Ven- uh, Venezuelan politics and cool. so on. Or even your experience of traveling. Mm. I've traveled almost 10 I've traveled for almost 10 years, so... I have some knowledge, I think. Yeah, I've got some sage <coughs> wisdom to bestow <laughs> exactly. on our listeners. And what we have, of course, opinions and politics. Cool. And we will have a guest <gasps> who will talk about Brexit. I'm excited to hear about Brexit. Yeah, he's a British person, so of course. He ha- so he knows idea. everything that's about to happen. And of course, science. You not want to learn about science. I mean, bar trivia alone, it's a good thing to know. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I always feel really smart when I know a science thing, and it happens. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we would like to do. Right, yeah. So, but for, well, I think we've been talking for so long right now. Yeah, so yeah. what's going to happen is we're going to play some music for we'll you. Take a little break, and then we're going to meet our first guest. Have a listen, and let's see. I'm new here, so let me just check and everything. So have at it.
Welcome back. Welcome Thank you back, for everybody. listening to the music. It's Koala. If you've ever heard of them, I actually always come across some good music when I listen to uh, YouTube. I always mm. put in indie list. Ah. It's one of the best things I've ever huh. done in my life. That's like, wow. <laughs> listening to music I've never heard of That's before. That's a life hack if I've ever heard And all of a sudden they pop up. <clears throat> but who do we have here? We've got Matias. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. You're so welcome. <laughs> So Matias is the president of the Erasmus Student Network here at the Catholic University of Leuven, and this is his fifth year? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I uh, did a bachelor here in economics. Uh, right now, this is my second master. I do I did a master of business economics, now I do European studies. Okay. Some of the people yeah. here. We're classmates. It's cool. Yes. Um, how did you start? Is this, and I, so I'm not the best person to ask these questions because I went to university in the States up until now. So can you just talk me through some basics of what ESN is? Oh yeah, uh, so ESN, basically, it's called Erasmus Student Network, and we're basically um, a student organization which has plenty of sections across Europe, and we welcome Erasmus students, in essence, to um, to their Erasmus destination, and I think Leuven is a great city for it, because there's already so many student uh, organi- organizations active, mm. um, and yes, ESN is one of the central ones for, for those doing an exchange, but also other international students. And we do events on a weekly basis. Nice. Yeah. And did you do an Erasmus semester a Indeed, year? that's how I got to know ESN. Ah, uh, okay. I did my Erasmus in Bonn, in Germany. Nice. It's really one of the best half years of my life. So that's, that's, I, yeah. Every person I've ever met yeah. who's done Erasmus has been like, it changed me in the most positive way, and now I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah. it's always about the people that you meet there, actually. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah. How did you choose your Erasmus destination? Um, well, I I didn't have too much choice, in, in all fairness, with my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always want to kind of go to Germany because I find it a funny language <laughs> <laughs> for Dutch-speaking people. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to, like, I don't know, experience experience it. And I also wanted to visit Christmas markets. Are they better in Germany? Yeah. That's oh. where they originated, basically, I think. Okay. All right. And, we uh, have a German off. She's, like, yeah, one of, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's a friend of ours, and she's making some, some opinionated faces and hand <laughs> gestures about Christmas markets. I'm only complimenting them. So. No, they're, uh, <laughs> none of these hand gestures are rude yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah, vulgar yeah. in any way. She's just passionate. She's a nice person. Put yeah. it that way. No, she's great. I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I asked her to, you know, to participate in this program. I mean, right. look, she's doing it. And so. she's even she's not even on the mic, and she's part of this conversation. <laughs> exactly. Which is amazing. <laughs> exactly, right. I don't know if she can hear me, but of course. Oh, no, I, can she? Can you hear him? 
Oh, no. She's actually, but she cannot hear you, but she's like responding in the correct gestures as if she can hear you. It's oh, man. So good. I can say anything about her and she will know. <laughs> and she'll probably know. Maybe okay. she can lip read. Anyway. Oh, no, no, no. She's looking. Oh, no, no, no. Circling back. All right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you had a semester in Germany. Yes. And then you were back in Livin. Yeah. And was it easy to choose to stay here for your master's? Um, you seem to like well, it. Well, actually, like, you kind of, if you're doing a Dutch speaking bachelor mm. you kind of have to do your master here um like connected to, to that um, uh, okay bachelor because um it's only three-year bachelor and one-year master's mm, and okay it used to be all connected but uh now it's split up okay and so like i was gonna do a master anyways then i for my second master i don't know i, I just i really can't leave living basically <laughs> I think it's it's the perfect student city. Yeah, no, you're an excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah you're yeah, the yeah, perfect yeah. person to be running the ESN <laughs> here because you so enjoy it. Not yeah, that I yeah, don't, yeah. but yeah, it comes through. No, for me, I like uh, I I saw him at the first orientation. Mm. All right, yeah. And I was like, who's that guy? Who's this, <laughs> who's this like human advertisement for our school? <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I saw him in one of our my, one of my classes. Like, oh. He's also a math student. Ah, I also okay. study, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> thought, he's thought? actually, he's not an administrator. He's actually a student. Exactly. A lot of people don't know that about Matthias. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I brought him in because, of course, ESN, but also, what is it like living in Leuven for you as a local Belgian person? Well, I think, um, as I said before, it's a really great student city. And I feel every year here as a student has been different for me. Mm -hmm. Like the first year was more like first years events firsties my second year is when i moved into my dorm for the first time third year i did my erasmus mm. last year I was math student i got introduced to esn now uh, really? fifth year i'm president of esn <laughs> that's amazing yeah well one thing i want to ask is how did you did you already ask how did he become a president i did not <laughs> okay but well, before you answer that i'm gonna okay. take a break briefly or yeah, after a message from our sponsors. <laughs> we don't have any sponsors. What? Please don't say that. <laughs> no, we don't have any sponsors. We only play music. This is a Not very problem. independent Where does all the uh, money radio come station. From? We're in this plush studio, <laughs> listeners. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back.
Welcome back. Oh, hey. Welcome back, dear listeners. Hello. What did we ask? What did we leave with? I think I asked, how did you become ESN president? Well, so when I came back from our Erasmus, like that's where we get to new mm. e- uh, ESN. Uh, then I came back in the second semester and I was thinking, ah, like they have an ESN section in Leuven as well. Like, why not join them? But it was since it was very kind of late in the second semester, I couldn't really join them yet. Like all the positions were filled. Mm. So the year after that, which was last year, um, I I applied for for secretary, and I was secretary for a year. Nice. Uh, and then, like after that, I didn't really know if I was going to stay in Leuven yet or not. But a lot of like my ESN pals were pushing me, like you should really try for a president, like you'd be the p- perfect candidate. And I'm like, ah, okay, why I'll not? Say. Like it, it's a great experience to, <laughs> as a student, I think. Did you feel like you got a lot of support from ESN when you were in Germany? Was that kind of part of the... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, they, they organized so many activities. They, they really made it more enjoyable. Like, uh, there was this, this thing called Stammtisch, which was like uh, every... Okay, maybe I didn't pronounce it completely correct. <laughs> our, our German <laughs> off-camera <laughs> off-mic is It was every Monday uh, where we would just get together in this bar which was the erasmus bar yeah, and yeah. just talk to, to, to people and like we would have some tables reserved just for us oh that's nice uh that was that was really nice yeah absolutely all right okay i'm talking all right ron's yelling at me <laughs> from behind the glass sorry i'm doing something here no, you know i'm learning the board yeah alone. he's learning the board <laughs> <laughs> no but keep going but i think i would like to hear i mean yes i i've traveled along for a long time but i always like to hear other people's travel experiences and I think you mentioned to us earlier that you did. You also did a bit of traveling, and yeah, tell, more, uh, this tell us more about it. Comes with my family background, kind of, because my dad um, is a d- diplomat, and so I lived um, in Singapore for four years and in Rome for four years. Uh, while we were in Singapore, we obviously like saw, saw a lot of southeastern countries, 
um, yeah, right now I'm still traveling a lot. And yeah. Just, yeah, it's it's just it's nice. So did you spend like your adolescence in like where like what like where do your awkward years fall in My, these travels? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was in Rome when I was from uh, 12 to 15. Okay. 11 to 15. I guess it's like that's when I, like my like the the turning point <laughs> was when I came to Belgium and that was like in the middle of my awkward years I, okay. I would say. So it was not easy in the beginning. So arriving to a new country yeah, 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 yeah. in like the like just the midst of awkward years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> also, well, I, yeah. I mean I did my traveling when I was uh in my uh when I turned e older. Oh yeah. <laughs> how old? Yeah, what how year old, was yeah. this in? No, I am just Back in the nineties. Did you have a flip phone at this time? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if I say that then you'll know exactly. Did you have a buzzer <laughs> or like a pager? <laughs> <laughs> because yes, I never I have never bought my own smartphone. I always get it from family members. What? Because I I don't really like it. You no, know? I, I agree. prefer the flip phone era. I yeah, no. That was simple. The unbreakable phone. Exactly. Yeah, like the Nokia's. No, mine was <gasps> Mo- uh, Motor Razor. Oh, you had the, the cool one. Oh, I had one. it as well, the yeah. Motorola. <gasps> I wanted one so yeah, terribly, yeah. and I never got one. And then it came in pink, and this was like <laughs> the peak of my like tween girl years. <laughs> it was the first phone I had as well. Yeah. Well, <gasps> I had it for almost, I think, eight years, and it literally died when I was traveling here in Belgium. Ah. I was like, I, I had to call Blame someone Belgium. and it just died. <laughs> and when I was like, what happened, there was one time where I was in a train mm-hmm. and I missed my stop because I fell asleep and I couldn't call my friend because my <laughs> phone died. So I had to ask someone to help me uh, to borrow their phone and call my friend. And she was so mad because I ended up basically arriving in Liege. Oh. I don't know if I'm <laughs> and where were you supposed to meet her? Hank, Hank. Oh, jeez, oh, yeah. those are not Very close nice to each other. <laughs> and she picked me up, and she was so mad. Too, so, but that's one of those things where you're like, "Hey, technology, don't blame me." Right? Yeah, no, it's not my fault that I have a phone that's 15 years old. Exactly. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? That's true, though. Yeah, I know, right? Ah, oh, man, that's. It's those always kind of weird that asking for someone else's like to ask to borrow someone else's phone, isn't it? Like I know that's they're always a bit I suspicious. Don't, I don't no. like doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think when the um, the guy on the train, he was like, "Oh, I understand what you mean. You know, I can help you out. You can call your friend." I gave the phone to him to talk to her. Like, all right, now talk to Dave now. But I think I was more like concerned about directions. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't sure where I was. Yeah. And the worst part, I don't know, it's the worst part, but like. At 11 p.m., there are no trains. Correct. Which is, I don't get it. It's not that late. You know? Mm-hmm. It but depends. Some some lines, yes. Some lines, no. Yeah. Maybe it's just yeah. me then. <laughs> Maybe you had terrible luck that day with your Moto <laughs> Razor. It's sad. Yes. Well, in a, a smartphone, you have an app <laughs> which shows you well, all. You know. But yeah, true. Here we find Look, ourselves. I have my phone in front of me. I know. I'm watching. I'm tra- I'm waiting to see if you pick it up during the segment. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You would have commented on that. But anything that, uh, Matthias, is there anything that you really, like, stuck with you that you enjoyed so much? Any place in particular? Um, Of all the places I traveled, you mean? Exactly. I mean, I got to say that I really enjoyed my four years in Rome because, like, after four years living there, I feel I still didn't discover everything because it's it's such an ancient city. Every Mm. corner you look, you can find something. And, like, such a nice experience. Like, just all the the streets are cobblestone and, and... 
just driving by the Colosseum, and like every now and then, it's just, you're just like, wow, that's like I'm actually here. Yeah, there's like a wonderment yeah. to that being like a normal thing, like yeah. on your commute. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah right, absolutely. Right. I think that's a huge difference. But seriously, thank you so much for being our first guest. Our first guest ever. Exactly. This no is problem. big. That's so nice of you to uh, participate, here. and I really appreciate yeah. your time, and I hope you enjoy. Have a have a nice weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you too, guys. See you at the Erasmus <laughs> bar. <laughs> we'll we'll be right back. The second someone mentioned you are all alone, I could feel the trouble coursing through your veins. Now I know it's got a hold. Just a phone call left unanswered had me sparking now. These cigarettes won't stop me wondering where you are. Don't let go. Keep a hold. If you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill Guiding like a lighthouse, it's a place where you'll be safe to feel like grace Cause we've all made mistakes, if you've lost your way yeah, I will leave the light on For a darker place to hide That's alright But if you carry on abusing You'll be robbed from us I refuse to lose another friend to drugs Just come home Don't let go If you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill Guiding like a lighthouse, it's a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace Cause we've all made mistakes, if you've lost your way I'll leave the light on Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks again for Matthias. Thank you, Matthias. He's gone, but we're thanking him from afar. Exactly. He was great. You can Thank hear you so hearts. much. Thank you, but Matthias. of course, we're not done yet. We're not we have done. another guest here. Right I am here particularly excited about this guest. Catherine, would you like to introduce yourself to our dear listeners? Well, yeah. Hi. I'm the German girl giggling in the background. Yes. Um, <laughs> Katrin. 
from Germany. Yep. <laughs> also studying the Master of European Studies here at KU Leuven. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so we've effectively brought you on to chat about this very cool, I mean, can I call it like a media empire? Is that a fair title? I've, uh, call it whatever you want. I, I mean, I'm more than flattered. It's a media that. empire yeah. called Why Europe. Oh, yeah. I mean, we want to ask, what is it? Well, we're an independent student organization, pretty much like non-profit, um, consisting of, I think, currently 24 members, but we still have some people who are joining, uh, coming from seven countries in total. One of the, actually, when like the next person also from the mass program is joining, is going to be eight. Gonna oh have wow! Java from Hungary, so that's very nice. Um, we are a social media project. We are present on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Nice. Uh, we also have a website, so please do check us out. Okay. Is oh. it whyeurope dot dot org dot org? Yeah. Okay. But you can like I think it's the handles are different for the um, platforms. Okay. But you can easily find us. Um, so basically, we're an organization that is aiming to convey like a pro-European message um, without, you know, just being absolutely apologetic about everything that the EU does. I think that's ah, kind of okay. setting us apart from a lot of um, organizations that are doing like similar things. Interesting. Um, so basically, like we we base our communication style on what like a concept that we call positive populism. Okay. So it's, wait, I love that. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna circle back to that in a second. But please finish what you're saying. But so I am going to bring that up. You know, like, we kind of got inspired of the recent developments in Europe, especially. Um, <laughs> not just Europe. I'm very sorry. No, it's cool. American, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're like the... Don't be. <laughs> we, we have a We've lot. We've got freedom, man. <laughs> well, at least you have that. You, have just as you don't populism. have that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's all going down. It's a uniquely American thing. Yeah. No other country has it. Sorry, continue. <laughs> anyway, so it's like basically we got inspired by that because we kind of realized, you know, those movements are so successful. And are you speaking about like internet movements? No, just in general, you okay. know, like political parties that yeah. use populist rhetoric. You right. know, and it's just it's it's simple, it's emotional, it's it's concrete, like right. tailored to the individual and it works. Absolutely. So like it works. whatever you say, you can basically convey a message like that pretty effectively. Yeah. And um basically we're trying to fill a gap because the EU is not doing that. Mm. And um we want to break down the complex system of the EU to like the everyday sort of citizen, right? Um, for them to understand why it's necessary to have the EU and right. why it's uh, necessary to engage and not do what the Brits have done, maybe you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's basically what we're doing. We're we're um, mostly online. We do a couple of offline things too. But okay. Yeah. No, but I think you make a great point. I just want to circle back. But I think you make a great point of like why these movements work, and it's I think people really respond if you're given mm -hmm. like a simple, accessible, tangible, like satisfying answer to a problem that's like exactly. a sentence long. Like yeah, you know, that's yeah. it makes sense why that's appealing, and I think it's great that that's the approach you guys are taking. I truly did not know until you just told me on air. <laughs> well, um, exactly. <laughs> And you got two Americans hosting a radio program. In Europe, <laughs> right. about in Europe, Europe, which was a right. great idea. Exactly, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, educate yourselves. Check the website out. Uh, yeah, Facebook, no. Mostly. Facebook? Okay. No, but I think I want to ask, like, how did it become yeah. uh, popular on social media? Basically, like, we started out after the Brexit referendum. That was, like, mm. three friends, you know, at university. They were like, what the frick happened? Good, good uh, save. <laughs> Good save. Good save. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> Ron's eyes. 
eyes just like <laughs> almost came out of his sockets just in pure like fear. Don't hey. worry. I got you. No, yeah. No, um, that was good. So, you know, they were wondering like how's like firstly what happened exactly? Like right. why did people vote like this? Yeah. Um and also why has like has it been such a low um, youth voted turnout? Mm. Um, so like most most people in the UK, like most most young people in the UK are pro European, right? But like none of them voted, and you have that clear division, you know, age wise, yeah. uh, which was quite striking to them. And then they kind of started thinking about like, um, that's kind of weird. We also have this sort of weird gut feeling of being pro-European, but we don't really know And why. by we, you mean like as like us, like young university students? Yeah, like yeah. Those, okay. those, they were kind of, you know, struck by the fact that they didn't know anything about the EU, basically. So right. they started looking into it, like into how the EU institutions are kind of communicating their work. And they realized, well, this this is, you know, nonsense. This is it's, not accessible. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, like, it's, it's dry, it's boring, it's too complicated. It's People not a don't thing I'm going to, like, it. oh, like, let me exactly. just go look this up real quick. Like, yeah. it's, you know, I, and, like, it's pretty much just, like, government documents that, like, I'm using for my thesis, which yeah. is great for my thesis, but as, like, an everyday exactly. member of society. And you have to have, you know, those pictures, images on, mm-hmm. not just on, on, like, the websites of the institutions, but also, like, on social media where people right. are at, uh, especially young people, you yeah, know, like, yeah. you're not going to get them in any other way. Right. So, that's how it all started and they just thought okay well if populists are able to reach so many people and the EU is not able to reach this many people with this sort of stance you know we have to we have to find a solution so they just started posting silly memes around what the EU is doing mm. and um it apparently resonated with people, you know, like they, right. it really took off. A- um, we did just have like a couple of posts here and there that were really successful. But I think like one of the most uh, important moments that we had was when uh, Marine Le Pen, so like mm-hmm. former MEP and, you know, leader of the Front National, so like mm-hmm. right wing extremist party in France, uh, accused us um, in the parliament, so she like submitted really? a parliamentary question. Wow! Like, are we are we f- is the Commission, the European Commission, funding Why Europe? And I didn't com- know this at all. Yeah, and like the Commission was obviously like, mm, well, we checked the files. No. <laughs> wow! Did so she, she mention your name? But you know, did she mention yours? Yeah, she was. Name? Yeah, she was like, yeah, okay, is, is Why Europe fa- like funded wow. or supported in any other way by the European Commission? That's a huge what, because we would have to disclose that, and there was nothing. Obviously, there was nothing because we were not right you're not making any money off of this exactly <laughs> well, so basically like blaming us you know trying to say like oh, wow. we're propaganda but turned out no we're not we're just a bunch of students having a good time well because shoot. of that information i would like to know yeah. how role do you guys see uh, yourselves in the upcoming election but before you answer that we're gonna take a break oh we're gonna take a break You think you know all about it, then it seems you are wrong. She hid it out of the park before it had even begun. I needed sunshine in the darkness burning now. Well, now I know that I'm the fuel and she's the spark. We are bound. Each other's hearts caught, torn, and pulled apart. This love is like wildfire. And to my word, now I'll be true. Can't stop this breaking loose. This love is like wildfire. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Hello. It was really nice to hear from you, Katrine. But I know I asked earlier how the organization affect the uh, upcoming election, but I got vetoed. Yeah. By my co-host Isabella. I'm a really difficult and pushy person to work with. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I can manage. That's good. I want to just really talk again about Marine the Pen and mm-hmm. think. So, can you just? Yeah, I know yeah. you talked about it before the break, but the gist is that she was like on the floor of the French Parliament or Europe. Like, where was she? No, she was in the in the European Parliament. Okay. So basically, asking a parliamentary question like, "What is going on with that organization?" Mm-hmm. Because we kind of had gained a reputation of being actually like constructively engaging people. How dare we? Right. Know? Yeah. And um, and we do like to bash nationalists. You a do lot. a lot. So that's really kind of your brand of yeah. late. So yeah, she asked that, and then like the commission got onto that. Apparently, like Atinga, you know, like the mm-hmm. budgetary commissioner, was like, ah, nope. Wow. <laughs> we don't know anything about that. We had to obviously publish some statements on that. And, and being just like, be no, like, we're not funded. Yeah, so yeah, it was so, very strange. And this is just my own curiosity, but like, yeah. so was she just assuming the answer to the question was yes? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah. And I actually, I was going to ask you earlier in the show, but now I know the answer. I was going to ask, like, does the EU know about you guys or what you're doing? But Um, I'm assuming the answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, if you... Thanks to Marine Le Pen. Exactly. (laughs) They knew about us before that, too, because, like, the commission has has made some efforts to actually, like, look at what young people are doing. Cool. Because not a lot of young people on the, you know, communication There are a lot of votes. So if you if you have a look at like the moment that we started, you do see like some influences in like the communication of the commission for sure. Like they're using similar images, they're using a similar style of arranging the picture, you know, like a similar layout. It's it's quite interesting how we've been able to influence that. And that's absolutely yeah. our goal, you know? Okay. Because we don't have to, like, we don't want to do this for the rest of our lives. We want the right. institutions to get better at it. Absolutely. So it's like, it's nice, yeah. But do you, has the EU ever, like, contacted you or, like, been um, like, hey, we see you? Exactly. Well, I would yeah, like to know that, too. Yeah. We do, we do have some people that we've just met through, like, networking uh, that are working in the communication unit. And know who you and, are. Yeah, they know who we are, and, like, they, follow, they follow our work, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Was, this, was this the plan back in the, your three friends? This is like... Um, I don't know. This is like I, Lennon and McCartney <laughs> meeting, you know? <laughs> well, I don't think they ever thought that it would get this big, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, progress, that's great. Absolutely. But yeah. no, I do... Dear listeners, I do invite you to Google Why Europe Marine Le Pen, because, yeah, this stuff comes <laughs> up. Yeah, she's not making it up. This is nope. all true. <laughs> but I guess going back to my question... Yeah, yeah. Does it actually affect... The, uh, uh, does it actually... Does it have anything to do with the upcoming election? Does the organization do anything to enhance its vision or whatsoever? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what we aim to do for the European elections just sort of mobilize people, basically. Hmm. So, um, you know, if you if you take a look at the polls right now, it doesn't look that good. Like most of, like a lot of seats, not most of the seats, but like a lot of seats from like the mainstream bigger parties are going to EU skeptics or anti-EU people, you okay. know, outright anti-EU. And we want to get people together to actually, you know, show them that your vote matters. Like, because mm. I feel like a lot of a lot of people have the impression that everything's just kind of samey, you know, like right. So like we try to break down the manifestos and. Mm. Um, base campaigns around that so really explain in a 
simple manner. Like, that's the vision that this party will have for the European Union in the future, you know? Right. So people, you know, think like they have a choice and they are less likely to be frustrated with everything and just run off to vote for Marine Le Pen, you know? Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's certainly something to be said, you know, for as a voter, not fully understanding or not not really perceiving the connection between my vote and then mm-hmm. what I see on the news, you know, a couple yeah. months from now. Yeah. Exactly. But I want to ask, um, there's something, I don't know if it's a post <laughs> of what's of, of some sort, but uh-huh. the EU doesn't care much about you. Do you still feel that way now that the EU kind of knows who you guys are? No, I think like that's one of um, one of the campaigns that we've been trying to do as like a as a lead up to the elections because um, we kind of we, we all got kind of sick of it because we <laughs> like we're very much like community oriented or organization. So we work with like in the comments section most of the time like half of mm-hmm. it is content production half of it is like community work right so we realized a lot of people feel like like I said their vote doesn't matter and um, nothing's ever going to change and we're kind of sick of that you know like mm. this it does matter if you feel like there's a problem then change it beautiful the- you know, this is a very uh, inc- uh, interesting topic for me to know more about, and we definitely would like to do this more. But I know you have to go soon. Thank you again <laughs> for coming, and I really appreciate your time. And seriously, we would like to have you back at some point. All right, and everybody All check right. out Why Thank Europe you. on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes. And Google Why Europe, one word, Marine Le Pen, and we can verify that Katrine yeah. is not making stuff up. I swear. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good read. You're going to have a laugh. Thank you so much we'll again. Right right back. Back. We'll Thank be you. right back. Thank mm-hmm. you.
Welcome back. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was really nice talking to her. Welcome and I back. think we definitely learned a lot. Yeah. What is Why Europe? Why, ne- why have I, I never heard of that organization before, you know? You, you got to get back on the internet, man. A lot's happening. Exactly. You got to get rid of that Moto Razor. <laughs> <laughs> it's dead now, you know? Okay. <laughs> exactly. But I think this is a good segue from her organization Absolutely. to our new, to our next guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Greet. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself first? Um, so I, I'm from uh, England. Uh, I'm an Erasmus exchange here in Leuven from the University of Leeds. I've been here since mm. September. Um, and I'm a politics student, so I'm very interested in, in political affairs and why Europe and why not Europe. Ah. Uh, for some other people. Exactly. Uh, That's good, though. But I know you're so um, invested in the Brexit debacle. Uh, I don't know if you debacle. would call it that way. Yeah, scuffle. Yeah. Exactly, scuffle. Yeah. <laughs> right? But can you tell us a little bit more what you... I mean, we, I think everyone knows what Brexit is, but can you tell us m- things that you've learned so far or new things that we should know about? Um, well, I guess Brexit is an ever-changing beast. I think that's the thing that we can take away from the British side is that you actually have no idea what to expect one week to the next because I think even since January, you saw that Theresa May got the biggest defeat in the House of Commons in, in its history, which was yeah. unprecedented, and yet followed that with a, a, a vote of no confidence that failed. And she, she stayed in power with the, the Tory party backing her because I think the political situation in the UK has just got to the point where people don't know where to turn. They mm-hmm. Everyone knows what they don't want. And some people know what they do want, but no one can agree on how right, to. Right, on like where to go next. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a crazy place to be at the moment, the, the UK. <laughs> I think it's uh, especially coming from like being in next to Brussels here in Leuven now and just kind of watching it unfold from afar from a European sort of side. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see the whole thing. And I know you mentioned to me before you went. Is it true that you went to uh, the Belgian embassy or um, or the uh, British embassy in Belgium? Is that or in Brussels? Oh, so um, earlier this week, um, Alison Rose, who is the um, diplomat from the Foreign Office here, based in Brussels, uh, delivered a talk in one of the um, lecture theatres here at Leuven for um, UK nationals living in Belgium to, to discuss. Um, the next steps and what happens and it's what were they telling you um basically that they that they can't give us any solid answers because at the moment that they can't tell us anything they can only say what they have sort of guaranteed but for for if in a case of a no deal there really is there is it's the case of they said basically they can signpost the people living here to where they can find the information once it happens but wow um, so everyone's in the dark yeah pretty much which is and you've got march 29th is uh brexit day and yeah people don't know what's around the corner to be honest and you see theresa may um it was non-legally binding but there was a vote yesterday where she had another set of nearly 50 tory rebels um, saying that they wouldn't accept um, a kind of renegotiated idea on principle that mm. would basically um, disallow a, a no deal. Because yeah. now people are advocate, advocating for no deal in, in the UK. Um, Why are they advocating no deal? Um, well, it comes from the right-leaning side of the, okay. of the Tory party who are, are very pro-Brexit um, and they, they're not happy with May's deal. Um, and for, for them, a, a no deal represents an opportunity, they would say, to cut out legislation, to cut out workers' protections rights and, and, and to free up freedom for tax and stuff like that. Okay. So for them, it does represent an opportunity for, for, so for their interest. drifting to a more deregulated economy. Yes, and, exactly. Okay. So, and I think that they see a, a no-deal clean break as their best opportunity for, to, to achieve mm. the Britain that they want. Um, but it would be a, a cataclysmic disaster for, for the Northern <laughs> Ireland, if nothing right, else, and that's, just the yeah, border. I, think, I that's, think that's a particularly complicated element of this. Yeah, exactly. So. It's... 
Can I ask then, what, how do you actually, like personally, how do you feel about it? I mean, yes, it will affect you somehow, but you're here, you're not there. Mm. How, how do you feel about it? Um, upset more than anything. I think mm. watching, because I think it'd be easy to, to fall on either side because I, I, I voted Remain, um, would vote Remain again in a second referendum. But I think it, it's just sad to see the state of affairs in the country where everyone's so angry at each other and nobody can compromise. There's no, no goodwill left for people, uh, each other anymore. And it's really sad to see British politics get to that state of affairs where it's just... Right. It's, absolutely. And everyone's just so entrenched in their points of view. Um, when the reality is that, it, that a lot of the reason why people voted Leave was for a, a lot of deeper reasons. Yes. Um, beyond Brexit itself, it's this democratic disenfranchisement, this right. this, this disengagement for, from elites on both sides. And I think the Remain campaign is still ignoring the genuine mm. concerns of these people and will continue to do so. And I think that's a problem there, even if they have been... <laughs> the Leave campaign did break electoral law and has been fine, and etc. <laughs> but the, the fundamental frustration from these people exactly. um, is, is genuine and hasn't been addressed. Um, I, I would like to ask one thing, if you can answer it. Do you feel, as a British, feel European at all? That's an interesting question. That's something that, especially since being here uh, from September, I would identify partly as being European, but I think... Even me being a young Remain living <laughs> Remain voter living in Leuven, I definitely don't identify with being European as much as it seems like a, a Spanish or an Italian or a German person might. Yes. Um, and I think that I think there is a, a definite difference um, in the British mentality towards Europe, um, whether it be just because we're an island, <laughs> if yeah. nothing right. else. But I think there is a certain set separate mentality yeah I mean that's not a uh, new thing no not at all yeah. exactly. it's, it's, it's... and I'm um, sorry to uh, like the reason why I said that because I visited a friend in Manchester he's basically pro-European whatsoever mm. and I asked him if he feels European and or also what he felt what he feels about the Brexit and he said it's basically taking away a part of himself mm. that he grew up with because he knew so uh, so much about Europe and about mm. being European, right? And what Brexit uh, doing to him is basically taking that away from him. My master's thesis is about the House of European History, and I, when I interviewed the director of the museum, mm. she said that when she talked to a one at least British person, that British person said that after visiting the museum, she felt that's her culture, even mm. though she yeah. has British citizenship. But after visiting the museum, she felt. That that's her. That was her culture, and it's basically being taken away from her. And I kind of like to see. That's why I asked you that question. And I know not everyone would have the same answer. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's, I think it's interesting from from my point of view to have to to know that I like I I do identify in part as European, but it's not one of the mainstays of my my like, identity or, or culture. I mean, like, mm. culturally, I'd say it probably is. You have links to Europe. Um, right. And in terms of direct impact, in terms of me not being able to travel around Europe, that's going to be yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sim cards, really. yeah, exactly. um, and all that. But I think on on a on an identity level, I think it's interesting that somebody like me doesn't right. identify with Europe as much as you might assume from yeah. a young Remain voter. But the um, thing that I always circle back to is, you know, how how salient or relevant is it to feel culturally tied? Like at the end of the day, it's an economic and it's a, you know a legal and a logistical yeah, union. Exactly. And so no. I think this idea, like we need to leave because there's like a cultural difference exactly. as opposed to like this how our government's working. And uh, that's a good point. But before you answer that, let's take a break and we'll be right back. All right. So rewind 
to a time where our thoughts collide to a time where our love survives and we know that is true so rewind to a time where our thoughts collide to a time where our love survives and we know that is you so rewind to a time where Welcome back. Welcome back. Hi. That was really nice. Yeah, it doesn't affect me that much, but <laughs> that's really totally why you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is that the right word to say? It? Enjoy For the you. topic. Right? I can do that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's really nice to hear um, hear about this and talk about this. But like what you were saying, Isabella. So yeah, no, man, my and again, I don't think there's a clear answer to this, but I, I'm intrigued that there's this like, well, we're culturally different, and you know, we're England, and we have or Britain. Sorry. Mm. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um, and I think that's all true. I think, I mean, we all know there's a history of that, but how salient is that when you're talking about just the functionality of the European Union? And there are plenty of good counter arguments to what I'm saying, but I'm still going to ask the question. I would say it, it, to ask me that question. Yeah, I think that, that that's why a lot of people who do vote remain, they're thinking about it logistically. Right. Um, but it's the issue itself is it's become more than Brexit now. It's, yeah. it's become for the people that voted for it, it is 
it's a democratic kickback and because the EU has been painted as their enemy and mm. I think that people are genuinely frustrated with the EU and for some points for good reason right. but yeah, yeah. Um, people have got to the stage where they think that logistically economically for my holidays sod it I'll go through with it anyway because of this it's this cultural fear I think mm-hmm. um, which I think goes beyond Brexit and beyond Britain I think you, yeah. you can see it in America you can see it Absolutely. Um, in the UK and you can see it uh, in the rise of of populist parties in, in right. across Europe at All the moment. Europe, I think yeah. it's this, there's a cultural insecurity that has um, kind of grown from um, the kind of endogenous populations of these countries that, right. that, especially in rural areas, especially those with less education who Absolutely. probably have access to less opportunities to these these what, these opportunities that come through Europe and have been kind of left out of that, that Abs- kind of development. We, yeah, we could have a whole episode about this. Yeah, we definitely could. Because I think it, it, it breaks it in itself. It's a symptom of a much deeper problem at the heart of Western politics, right. which really worries me for yeah. the future because I think Brexit in itself won't solve these people's concerns. And I think Europe in itself is looking at Brexit and thinking that this is a, a terrible thing. But I think mm-hmm. Europe itself needs to self-reflect a bit more and yeah. think we, we have the same problems, whether it's the, the yellow jackets in France right. or the rise of uh, far-right uh, in Poland. or mm-hmm. um, Yeah, there's a passion here. Yeah, but... even in the States, that's really, yep. it's incredible what's, uh, what's been happening in the world lately. Yeah. I don't know if we should be worried or <laughs> we should do, or we should just stand up and do something about it, right? Yeah, it's hard to know what, where to turn for that though because I think what really needs to be addressed is, is, is rampant inequality and globalisation that's not right. delivering for, for the people on the ground and yeah. they're, they're, they're seeing their world open up but not feeling the benefits themselves and I think that's only going to change when the people at the very top of the, the institutions mm-hmm. really address major tax avoidance from companies and right. um stuff like that I think it's no absolutely because I think you can point to economic growth and you can point to things like GDP or like we have all these new companies and that's that's one metric but that's not assessing things like inequality or rural frustrations in the UK you've got using food banks now you've got over a million people using really? food banks inequality in the UK is it's, it's worse than, it's, it's horrendous it really yeah. is like it, but I, think, I think unless you're in Britain you don't realise I think it's one in eight people are living in working poverty so they're working for a full week but are just, yeah, just living in poverty enough, and yeah. it, that shouldn't be the case like mm. since the 2008 crash I think inequality's um, grown and the, the people the very richest are doing <laughs> even better Yeah. <laughs> whilst these people suffer in an age of austerity, which has um, got some rationale behind it, but it, yeah, you know, it's. A... I'm I'm curious though, in with your group of friends, or at least people you know, do you have friends or like I said, people you know that are against? Ah, oh, do you EU? have any friends who voted to leave? Um, yeah, um, but on on that note, it would be at the time it was a lot of that was based on they voted how their parents voted and their parents mm. voted leave. Um, gen- there is a really big generational gap in 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 this debate in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for anyone from my generation, we don't have the same understanding of what Britain was like pre-EU. So we just think, we, why on earth would we change what we have now? Oh, that's right. That's Whereas a good point. that you've got the, the generations, I think it's over 55 that voted for it. Um, they had that experience of pre-Europe and yeah. they might associate better times with pre-Europe, even though Europe's not the thing that was right, the problem. Right, yeah, it's just but it was a different economy. Yeah, it's, it's not the yeah. absence of Europe that made, yeah. But then... Mini, like the way the uh, media constructs right. the narratives around it yeah. makes it feel like it's Europe's fault rather than yeah. poverty. And it's a, easy a to associate level. things because it's simple. You know, Katrin was talking about in our last segment of, you know, things that are accessible or easy to understand or simple mm. yes. tend to, you know, 
perform well with exactly. others. And um, I, this is a really interesting topic. And I, I, again, I know I said it and I enjoyed this topic, but I know you have to go. But quickly, before you go, uh, we were going to add, well, I wanted to ask you about language, but your English, so, you know, we kind of have the same <laughs> maybe sense of humor. However, I'm wondering what you think of this person. Is it John Burkrow? Burko. Burko. Order. Yeah. <laughs> Order. Order. <laughs> Um, yeah, Speaker of the House of Commons. Um, exactly. Like I, when I watched the um, the uh, Brexit um, vote, it was the most noticeable thing <laughs> that I've seen during that. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I literally almost felt like watching a, a TV series, right? And having having him he you know, talk, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. But for you, as a British person, does it like what? What do you think of it? What of Burko himself? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, he, he's it's interesting because he's had a lot of bullying allegations. Uh, in recent years as well so not an untarnished record but as as a speaker of the house of commons if we didn't have somebody with the, the strength of will and the respect that burko has i think we'd be in a much tougher time because hmm. you've got an executive in the government that are trying to push things through that that are unacceptable right um and i think unless you have a strong speaker that can rein these people in during yeah. such turbulent political times um, with, with such a divided government and opposition and, and everything in between, I think without a strong figure like Burko to, yeah. to be at the helm of that, I think would be in a much more difficult situation. But then you see the other side of the coin and he's right. accused of bullying internally, but <laughs> exactly. maybe that's the kind of personality it takes to bully MPs into Interesting. Yeah, keeping order, it's uh, huh. exactly. No, that's really that's really interesting. I'm gonna go Google this. Later. Yeah, I know you should though. Uh, thank you again, Sam, yeah. for doing this, and I will ask you again to come on our, our, our show the next in the next few weeks because you know what's gonna happen, and yeah. I would like to hear your opinion about it. <laughs> I would love to come back and, and discuss. Thank you, Barry. Thank me. you, what? Thank you again so much, Cheers. and we'll thank be you, right Sam. back. Cheers. Thank you. If 
Welcome back. Welcome back. It was like it was so nice to do this. It's, I know it's our first show, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm really enjoying this, and we definitely will do this again. But for now, we're gonna plan our next episode yeah. and see what happens. Uh, for, with the voice, we're planning to uh, have our print edition sometime in the next week. And please pick up a copy and let us know what you think. Where are these copies available, Ron? Uh, it will be available everywhere in school. Uh, Agora, Pangaya, like, wow. libraries and things. <gasps> and of course, will always be available online. So <sighs> you can check out our site and li- and read more stuff about Using what we're your... writing. And of course, the the upcoming shows. Beautiful. And I think what we ha- the guests that we've had... Uh, they're amazing. I they're, really enjoyed the talking with them. Ever. I don't think you could have found better guests, Ron. Exactly. And thank you so much, Isabella, for doing this. Oh, my thank you co- for my lovely me, Ron. co-host. Oh, Ron. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so nice to have that um, person to talk to that's just like, you know what? It's like my sister. <laughs> oh, Ron, that was beautiful. Please, don't oh, make me cry. <laughs> listeners, this is the emotional part of the show. <laughs> All right. Ooh, Thank you so much. Every episode with some self-care <laughs> and some like... I know, right? No, I'm... All right. Listeners, next week, get ready. I'm going to exactly. talk about self-care. That's me, my segment. And I guess, uh, again, thank you so much for listening and peace out. Peace. We are wow. the boys on the radio. <laughs> peace out.